going on? Hi, Miff. Hi, oh, hi, Zan. Hi. How are you going? Sorry, I was looking at the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the description of, of bang on. <laughs> Hang on, I was looking at the internet. Or more specifically, you don't need to look at the internet because we're here to wrap it That's up for oh, you, that... explain things. That's true. Um, in a tight 20 to 30 minutes, yeah. music, art, life stuff, Golden Globe nominations. They came through as of today, um, depending on when you're listening to this, and all the usual suspects are in there. A lot of questions, though, about who's deciding the Golden Globes. And some people are saying, given the nominations that have come up, it, it's kind of like America's version of the Logies. Well, 90 Maybe. people, only 90 Hollywood foreign press members decided, compared with almost 9,000 Academy mm. members for the Oscars. And uh, someone said online, is it, is it a bit like the people that they've nominated, they're just, they're just the ones they want to hang out with? Because yeah. they're... <laughs> That's because, and I say that because there are some absolute glaring omissions. Well, one in particular, one show that pretty much everybody watched and everyone in television watched and filmed and said, oh, my God, this is actually flipping the whole concept of what a, a series of TV is. Mm. And that's Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, which we talked about last year. It's an incredible show. And it was acclaimed worldwide. Mm. It wasn't just a, oh, this is cool. Everyone said this is amazing. Not one nomination, which nah. was like a lot of people talking about. On the flip side, Emily in Paris oh. got two nominations. <laughs> so just sit with those what two for? side what, by side. What for? I need the list. What? I think Lily Collins, Phil's daughter, oh. as you discovered. Oh, yeah. You you told me, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Um, she shocked. got a nomination. I yeah. mean, good on her. She's, she's not terrible. At the role, it's a terrible role. <laughs> She's actually quite good, but it's a terrible role. A so couple she... of people were being sassy and saying, did the Hollywood Foreign Press Association just see the word Paris and went, yep, give that a nod. <laughs> That'll do. Oh, my God, call my agent. Just watch that instead of Emily in Paris. You'll love it as much. Um, this is not new, though. Can we just, like, acknowledge that every year the Golden Globes has this mm. collection of – people see it as the kind of precursor to the Oscars. And, but they Well, they, they do in the film categories often have a lot of crossover and they do represent things that have been acclaimed. But then they mm. also have these absolute stonkers. Mm. Um, you said that it was kind of business as usual. Business as usual these days are that streaming services are dominating the nominations. Netflix and Amazon dominated the nominations. The Crown, which was a Netflix mm. series, led in the TV nominations. And a film that I've never even heard of, probably because I just don't watch films on Netflix, is Mank. Yeah. Great title. Apparently it's a bit of a reinterpretation of Citizen Kane. That's also on oh, Netflix. Oh, wow. Yeah. With Gary Oldman in it. Oh, fantastic. Okay. In, shot in black and white. Okay. Award season Loves a bit of black oh, and they white. They do. They love a bit of black and white. They do. They love a little bit of body um, body changing, a little bit of, you know, make, make your nose look different or put on some <laughs> weight or lose some weight and they love black and white. So those two are the ones that lead the nominations across TV and film. Emily in Paris is up for best television series. Yeah. I think comedy though, isn't it? No. Oh, oh yeah, musical okay, or comedy. Yeah. What part of it is musical or comedy? <laughs> it's not. Review. Yes, you're the one who actually watched the whole thing. I know. Again, I'll, hours like of your I life said, you can't get back. I will back. watch the second season with the same <laughs> amount of enthusiasm. Like I'll hate it but I love it. Shit's Creek got five nominations and I, can I tell you, I mentioned you, that because doing I'm watching it now. Finally. Finally doing How it. How are you going? I love it. Great. I love David. Yeah. What an amazing character. David. 
David. <laughs> Obviously love Moira. Um, she's just incredible. And yeah, I get it. Like it's, I've just been kind of putting it on in the background and you leave the room and come back and it's fine. Exactly. 20 minutes. It just, and it yeah. just clicks over another episode, another episode. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I watched an episode on my lunch break yesterday. What season are you up to? Because a lot of people say the first season's a bit hard and you really get into it by about the third. Yeah. Is that where you're at? I'm towards the end of the third season. Okay, great. I'm loving it. Yeah, good. So, you know. Welcome. Nice to see that. Can I just point out a couple of different um, omissions as well, which maybe aren't as obvious as the ones that people Mm -hmm. are talking about today. Schitt's Creek is a perfect example of doesn't get any nods, series ends all of a sudden. Like last year at the Emmys, it swept the awards. Yep. And it, no one had paid attention to it. And it's almost like that kind of um, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. Oh, it's ending. We better give it all the awards. Mm. Speaking of Breaking Bad, there's one actor in Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad, which I've been loving. And she gave the most incredible performance in the most recent series. Her name's Rhea Seahorn. She plays Kim Wexler. And she has never been nominated. Aww. She is freaking incredible. Really? And I just don't get... I think I just feel like these organisations, it's just this sort of like honorary degree thing, like after you've done something, let's award you for it instead of when you're in the moment. Yeah. But some massive um, misses, some nice hits though. Miff, for the first time in seven years, the Golden Globes has actually nominated female directors. Oh, seven, wow. Seven years they haven't nominated any female directors. Regina King for One Night in Miami. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Mm-hmm. That's opening in Australia in March. I've seen a preview. It's incredible. Really? We'll talk about that on Bang On next month. And Emerald Fennell, who was the director and writer of Promising Young Woman. <gasps> Which and she way? is incredible. She's also an actor. She plays Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown. She's amazing. We're going to bang on about that later too. So good. So it's great to see some women actually recognised in the director nominations mm. golden globes i will be watching it tina fey and amy Poehler are hosting it's happening at the end of feb whether it'll be a virtual event or a socially distanced event who knows but you know there's going to be some absolute sizzling burns on that stage <laughs> if those two are hosting i can't wait Oh, the sounds of our queen. Oh, that piano. One note, very simple. She's a magnificent songwriter. One of the best in the world, Dolly Parton. Yeah. Who else could it be? Uh, this week has had a huge week. Again. Yeah. When is it not a big week for Dolly? I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Dolly is just in all of us now. <laughs> we it's, are Dolly. Yeah, we are Dolly. And but we want to <laughs> be like Dolly because she has said no to getting an early coronavirus vaccine. She's, she's not an anti-vaxxer. She's she just an, doesn't want to jump the queue. She's just said, I'll wait my turn. Yeah. Now, if I was um, her age and I had her money, I'd probably be right up the front. She also donated a million dollars to the development of one of those vaccines. I know. I know. She probably could. Yeah. You know, that she probably could go, hey, guys, yeah, I paid for this. Yep. Can I have Can a go? Can I pay for this? Can I have a go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I paid for it. Can I have a go, please? You'd think so, but... Um, she's she's just divine and she's also releasing her own signature scent. Oh, you know what it's called? No. Scent from above. Oh. And you know how that's spelt. Scent <laughs> from above. This is oh. I when you when you DM'd me this on Instagram, I was like, surely this is not her first fragrance. It is. Is it? It's made by the same people who also concocted Shares official fragrance. Oh, really? What was Shares called? Do we remember? Oh, God. I, do I need to do a Google, live Google? Do a Google. Miff Googles. Share. Wow, look at that. 
while you're googling that, yep. um, apparently, Do you like my one finger typing too, like it's the because I'm holding a microphone. <laughs> uninhibited, maybe. Un- uninhibited sounds like a shared title for a perfume. Mm. Um, Dolly Parton apparently smells incredible, according to Brooke Shields, oh, really? and mouth-watering. She's actually said that. Dylan McDermott says that Dolly smells so great, we couldn't believe it if we tried. And Dolly herself has said she smells so darn good that people follow her and her waft down mm. the street. Ooh. So She's in like July, the Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to just, just sound, doing a little it's gonna sound like this, smell like joy. Whatever joy smells like, that's what there Dolly's fragrance is going to smell that like. There are other wafts that people might follow and it's not usually good. So, <laughs> so that's nice. Smell my waft. July. We have to wait till July. Oh, well, I'll be, I'll be first out. in line for that. But um, another big thing that happened this week for Dolly was she lent her nine to five song, the lyrics or the song, to an advertisement that will be played in the Super Bowl. Mm. Now the Super Bowl is the the Taj Mahal of advertising. When you put an ad on there, it's the biggest deal in the country if yeah. you get a slot on that. And and they try really hard to get it right. And what she's done is she's lent her name to um, Squarespace, Squarespace, which yeah. is like a website sort of organizer. Thing. Like a build, a, where we can build, build your, your own, own website. Website yeah. for your business, that kind of thing. And they've flipped the lyrics of nine to five to five to nine. So um, talking about how your nine to five job, dull, dull as dishwater. Five to nine though, we, who needs sleep? You can Yeah, like 5 p.m. till 9 yeah, a.m., not yeah. 5 till 9 p.m. <laughs> you can live your dreams and work towards what you really want to do. And this kind of hasn't gone down all that well, which makes me a bit sad. I think it might be a misstep for Dolly. So remind me of the foundations of 9 to 5 because it was obviously part of the soundtrack to the film, but the film was all about the women's labour movement, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the original song was about in- inequality at work regarding your pay, uh, inequality at work regarding your standing in terms of your ideas and and people stealing them, mostly the boss, Um, power imbalances within the workplace between men and women. So that's what that song's all about. Mm. And this, people are saying, is a bit tone deaf because those power imbalances still exist and now we have to work extra hard, especially women. You have to have a side hustle now as well as still getting... A shit run at work. And in the time of COVID, which yeah. is affecting people in the Northern Hemisphere and particularly in Europe and the US a lot more than here in Australia, mm. uh, women are the people who are suffering the most in terms of losing jobs, underemployment. Yeah. It's, it's been shown time and time again that women are really suffering during the pandemic more and, than anybody else. Yeah, and also the, the, the boundaries are now so blurred for people and it's really affecting women between work and home life that women are pretty much working 24 hours a day anyway. <laughs> so don't give me I this, suspect. I'm starting a yoga studio on Squarespace. Who's got time for from a five to nine. If you've got kids, who's got, who are these people? Who's got time to set up a website? If you've got kids and you've got a nine to five job, I don't have kids. I can't even look after myself. Like, who are these people? <laughs> ad's wrong. I love Dolly, but the ad is wrong. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. She'll do something good next week and it will all be washed away. Of course away. she will. Don't worry, it's all yeah, good. I still love it. Miff, you showed me a really interesting article this week in The Atlantic on casual friendships. Mm. We're not talking about casual sex. <laughs> Wait, the way you said it, I thought that's kind of <laughs> as as I said it, Cas- like, Ooh. Casual friendships. Casual friendships. No, those friendships that are, um, you know, you've got your, your besties mm. and then you've got people that you probably see. Yeah, really regularly, that kind of stuff. But then you've got the, I guess, it sounds so cruel, but 
incidental friendships. Mm. So, um, you know, the friendship that you struck up with the barista or the people that you see at work who maybe mm. you wouldn't socialise with, but you're great friends with them at work. You'll have a, you'll share a dirty joke at the, in the kitchen yeah. over something. Yeah. <laughs> not dirty, but usually about the dirty Again, dishes. Again, not about casual sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about the dirty dishes. Um, yeah, this article is is quite interesting. It's it's by Amanda Mullen. It's called The Pandemic Has Erased Entire Categories of Friendship. And I don't think we're experiencing this as much in Australia anymore, but I know certainly during lockdown there was definitely a feeling that your inner circle becomes very much your centre and that is your family and your very close friends and that all the incidental stuff sort of falls away. Mm. And there's a word for it. She's come up with a word or at least psychologists have. Uh, these friends are called – friendships are called weak ties. But the premise – sounds so brutal. I know. But the premise of the article is that we need these weak ties as much as we need the strong ties in order to fully function as a human being. Incidental friendships are valuable to us. And if you're thinking, well, you know, I can do without them – Towards the end of the article, the discussion moves to the rise of conspiracy theories. Mm. And this has got a lot to do with the pandemic, given people are only really dealing with their inner circles. They've lo- they've lost their weak ties. They're not going to work having a chat about something or, um, you know, throwing ideas around with, with people they, they don't know that well but are, are free to share. So this is how people are now sort of really burrowing down and, and really finding that power in their beliefs the feedback loop yeah yeah and it, it strengthens them because they're not getting they're not getting any outside oh no mate that's a bit it's a bit off yeah that doesn't quite make sense yeah there's no Where are you getting that from it's just all becoming so, very insular yeah and and it's not just that uh it, that incidental friendships don't give you it just it there's also she mentions as human beings we need to see ourselves reflected back to ourselves which sounds very narcissistic but i think in terms of this article, it actually just means we need to we need to engage with people to sort of to come alive mm. and and see that we have a place in society that we matter to not just our family and our and our very close friends, but to uh, to the world. It's part of the ecology, isn't it, mm. of where you are in the world, whether you know however big your network is. I think that that's one of the things that resonated with me in this article was that. Those friendships, those strong ties are super important mm. but the weak ties are just as important because it's not just about having a really strong friendship with someone. It's mm. about the whole ecology of everything that fits around you and how you fit into that because you're a weak tie for someone else yeah. and that makes their world more balanced or um, larger or smaller or whatever it is, yeah. you know, it's, it becomes for better or worse part of their ecology and that sort of stuff's important too and it does feel as though as we, you know, retract in a more insular way and I think even in Australia, even though we have freedoms that go far beyond what some of our, um, our friends do in other countries, that the, we've talked about this before, we haven't just snapped back to seeing everyone and hanging out mm. with everyone. I'm still just mainly seeing my my core crew, as I literally call them, my core mm. crew, and the people that I've known for years and years and who I sort of, you know, make time to see. Yeah. And I haven't shifted out of that again, even though we're free to do it. So Yeah, I think I've developed a bit of an anxiety about it. But this article... It's good for us. It, yeah, it's good for us it's to good actually... good for everyone. Because... There's a couple of lines in this that really hit me. Humans are meant to be with one another and when we aren't, the decay shows in our bodies. So for a lot of people who now no longer have those incidental friendships, you know, things like looking after your health, 
things like not falling into a pit of despair or at least getting out of the house or taking your medicine or having a shower, things like that. If they start to fall by the wayside, that leads to, to certain certain things that, that perhaps aren't great for human mm. beings. But this final line for me really did it. Strip out the humanity and there's nothing but the transaction left. It's like, oh, that's cold. So cold. So cold. It's so true. <laughs> so we need to just start having a chat to people as we go about our day, really. I, I, do, I do it already at the dog park, so it's fine. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> that's actually something that we saw in the depths of lockdown um, in Victoria. The I found myself chatting with people just because I needed to connect with whoever was around me, some of my friends I couldn't get to. And I think that we can take those lessons of just being, you know, getting our heads out of our phones, mm. looking up and out and going, okay, who's who are the people in your neighbourhood, in your neighbourhood? In your neighbourhood, say a policeman who. <laughs> is a person in your neighbourhood. They're the people that, that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Sesame Street. I had that on cassette. Did you? Got an absolute rinsing at my I house. Bet. Oh, rinsing. What a beautiful show that was. You know what other hit that that uh, cassette had on it? Look at this guy. Look at the sea. Look at the clouds. And then look at me. I'm pretty. I don't remember that one. Clearly, it didn't what resonate I am with me. Is pretty, <laughs> and that's the way it's always gonna be. No, I don't remember that one. Sorry, for Bang Fam, who were triggered, who also grew up in the '80s. That one was for I you. I did too, but I just don't remember that. Obviously, I had some um, Everybody slow self-esteem in the 80s. Everybody sleeps. <laughs> everybody, everybody sleeps. Doodle-doo, doodle-doo. Remember that one? I don't remember that Oh, one. my God. We must have had different cassettes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Sesame Street birthday album. That was mine on, on record. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't have that one. Happy birthday, sorry, Happy I should birthday. say. It was a good record. In more serious news, mm. did you see the news coming through and the posts coming through on Instagram yep. around Evan Rachel Wood and Marilyn Manson this week? Yep, I did. So if you've been following the story, you know what it is. If not, here's a quick catch up. In the last few years, Evan Rachel Wood, the actor, starting Westworld, among other things. Oh, your favourite show. Has been, very good show. She's very good in it. Um, has been speaking about being in an abusive and coercive relationship. Mm. She's been speaking about it in magazine interviews and also um, I think she's an advocate for victims of domestic assault and domestic yeah. violence. And she's been speaking about that um, as well, but she's never overtly she's never named, named anyone. Yeah. And this week she came out on her Instagram and overtly named Brian Warner, Marilyn Manson, mm. who she accuses of abuse, of coercion, of grooming her. Mm. They were together between 2007 and 2010. They were engaged briefly before they split up and she was 19 when they first got together and he was 38. So that's the kind of context. Um, this blew up a few days ago. Later on that day, also on his Instagram, Marilyn Manson responded and said, obviously, my art and my life have long been magnets for controversy, but these recent claims about me are horrible distortions of reality. My intimate relationships have always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners. Regardless of how and why others are now choosing to misrepresent the past, that is the truth. The fallout from these two statements is that his label has dropped him 
I believe he's been edited out of a TV series. Oh, really? His music was in. People are basically dropping him. But lots of other women have come forward as well. This is not an isolated case. Mm. A lot of other women in the period when Evan Rachel Wood was talking about this without naming his name as accusing him of these crimes, um, a lot of other women said that they experienced similar things. And... I found his response, it just, as soon as I read that first line, it just reminded me of, you know, something that you've spoken about before and we've spoken about over the years whenever these cases come up of um, allegations of abuse and particularly in, you know, assault in the music industry of this hiding behind a persona and almost like, okay, what goes on tour stays on tour, sex drugs and rock and roll, getting away with it. And he's almost... And being enabled by everyone around them. Yeah, the, complic- the complicity of the industries, which also Evan Rachel Wood called out in her post. But his resp- his first line there is almost like he's using that as a shield mm. against these allegations and saying, oh, that you know, this character that you see, that's not me. Um, yeah. Even though there have been stories around him and what he actually does behind closed doors for years. And the other kicker is that he speaks to that idea of consent and saying they've always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners. That's the truth. Well, that's his truth because obviously he has no concept of what any of these other women are thinking or feeling or or have thought or felt after that experience. That concept of consent is something that is such a grey area that I feel like we're getting so much better at speaking about. Mm. And That's so arrogant just to go, that is the truth. Exactly. No, mate, it's not. It, that might be your truth in your brain, but ask them. Take a step back. Again, Evan Rachel Wood, she's a teenager when she meets this 38-year-old man. She's at the beginning of her career. He's at the height of his, the power imbalance, all of that stuff that's going yeah. on, whatever felt like consent at the time. Just ta- like it, again, reminded me of that response from Aziz Ansari when he was accused of having a non-consensual experience and that was so grey area. But he came out and said... I thought it was consensual. I understand that it may not have been. And he he understood it was really tricky and he didn't quite know how to handle it and other people didn't know how to take that response. But at least he entered into this possibility that what he believed was consensual mm. might not have been on the other side, on the, in the other party's mind. Mm. And Marilyn Manson Can't absolutely that slams all. that yeah. away. All his partners. All, all of his partners. I mean, I'm sure there's been stuff that's gone down in our lives where, you know, we've... We would question it in hindsight. Yes. You know? Um, with the benefit of hindsight, with age, with understanding absolutely. what's appropriate and inappropriate and understanding power structures way better than you do when you're younger yeah. and you're swept up in in that world. Like yeah. it's just, whoo. Yeah. So it's see what happens in the legal sense of it. Obviously, you know, culturally and, and socially he's um, being somewhat blacklisted, mm. but these are not isolated allegations, are they? No. And, and, and look, I think I always come back to the fact that no woman does this for publicity. Yeah, that's the thing that I first what? thought. It's like, you know, why, how and why they're choosing to misrepresent the past. It's like, well, take, again. Do you really the think t- they've got that much of deaf, a grudge? Why would you throw yourself into this ring? You like, wouldn't. what do you get you out wouldn't. of it? You wouldn't. What do you get out of what it? What you get out of it is that you make a space for other women to feel able to do so. What do you get out of it if it's not grounded in truth? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. After that one, I reckon we need a palate cleanser. God, you came through this week. Ah, uh, this is a very visual thing we're about to talk about. So yes. can I just stress? You need to go to the show notes 
for what we're about to see because mm-hmm. it made my day. Oh, it made my day as well. It I, made my year. I, I, I think it's genius. <laughs> there's, there's a young fella on Twitter who I don't know and we'll probably never hear of again unless his mum does more work. Um, <laughs> Scott T. Miller is his name and he's put this post up and it's gone all over the world and for all the right reasons. said, my mum and stepdad have spent the better part of quarantine building what they call their mini modern house. It is quite literally a miniature marvel and the world needs to see it. Fully built and designed from scratch, the, the mini modern house comes with all these things and he's put photos up of this mini modern house and he's also gone on to say he thought his mum was bonkers at the start <laughs> and it was a bit of a joke but now that he's seen the mini modern house – he, like the rest of us, has lost his mind. It's, it's a modernist design as well, just yeah. to be clear. Like there's some amazing mid-century modernist design and this sort of stuff where it's like you made this. Like you can't just buy this at a toy store. This is not just like some shitty dollhouse furniture. No. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. It has things in there that you would – you would never expect. I mean, there's a Monopoly game in there that actually has pieces and it's <laughs> tiny. These things are a quarter the size of a can of Campbell's soup and every detail is insane. You can spend 10 minutes looking at every single one and it's so perfect. Like it, we were saying, even the laundry in the basement and, and the garage is just a bit messy and there's yeah. a, bit of, a bit of shit here and there <laughs> like most people's houses. It's nuts. It's there's so much going nuts. on here. There's so much going on. It's not just a house where you've got like a dollhouse where you've got the basic furniture and the people and maybe some, no. you know, things in the kitchen. There is just detail. There's like mouse traps and stuff yeah. going on here. Um, there's beautiful pictures hanging on the wall. Uh, there's socks and shoes on the staircases. It is just brilliant. You've got to check it out. It's yeah. so visual. Yeah. So we're not going to explain it away to no. you. Just go to the show notes. It will bring you joy. It will make you want to run out and get a dollhouse. Well, it really ta- it really <laughs> taps into I think for all of us as adults that element of wanting to play. Yeah. Like you look at it and just go I want to I want to not just live in that world, but I want to play with that world. Also, and just not to scale things, things yeah. that are really tiny. Gorgeous. Everybody loves that. You know that YouTube series where the um, – have you seen that person cooks with miniature? Oh, yeah, that's oh, my great. Gosh. <laughs> oh. Anything miniature. And before we get into Bang On, can we just quickly tip a cap to a brand new pair of Nike shoes? They've got – Snap-on shoes now. Yeah, I know. Hands-free shoes. So good. God, I'm so into them. So good for the lazy person. But also for the the disability community, we're really celebrating this because one thing you might not think of if you don't have a disability that involves your legs or your feet or even your hands, Mm. um, putting shoes on is tough sometimes. And and these kind of shoes, a slip-on shoe, allows you to just slip it on with heaps of ease and there's other shoes as well which we're not going to talk about today but Dylan Orcott put a post up and he was blown away um you can you know the boot ones what are they called air max (laughs) they're the ones aren't they air max I wish the bank fam could see that you just like lifted your foot up and you're showing me your foot with a sandal like that explains it because you've got your hand around your ankle oh that's about the yeah that's air max you know their boots yeah Yeah, like basketball boots yeah and and they've also got um Basketball boots, that's yeah. the one. And they open, there's no laces, but they look like they've got laces, but you just flip it open and you can still put the boot in. So and good. Yeah, it's genius. Technology. I love this. I love this. I just love a snap. It's like it reminds me of snap bands as well. Just a little oh, snap absolutely. on shoe. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, shall we bang on? Yeah, let's do it. What are you banging on about this week? Um, well, I think we're both going to do a co-bang on on this one. Because- Let's co-bang. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of casual friendships. 
Um, <laughs> Kobang on a movie that I saw just a couple of days ago and you've already seen and you're wearing the nails to prove it, yes. Promising Young Woman. Yes, which was one of the nominees for the Golden Globes. Mm. Incredible film starring Kerry Mulligan. I am literally wearing a manicure that matches hers. If you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking yep. about, multicoloured pastel yep. nails. It's and so good. It's so good and it's a story about rape culture. It's a story about consent. It's a story about how men protect other men. It's full on and it's possibly quite a difficult watch for a lot of people. Loosely based, I think, on that case in America where the university or the college student was um, was not given a sentence for raping a girl and leaving her behind a dumpster. Uh, he was... The, the judge said he was a promising young man mm. and they didn't want to ruin his life without any conceding as to the woman's life who was ruined. Yeah. And and I think this is where this stems from, I'm sure. I haven't done much reading on it but it's an amazing film. And it d- does deal, it feels very much triggered by the epidemic of campus sexual assault across the board, like yep. it's rife in America in particular. There's mm. a lot of people who, who live on campus and it's just this sort of no man's land, a lawless yeah. place where all kinds of messed up stuff does and these people are protected for doing horrible things. Mm. But it's also, I won't obviously give away anything, the ending, whoa. <laughs> I've just it's just like say, we all walked out of the cinema when I saw it a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, what the hell? Like it's just, it affects you, this film. Yeah. It's not, if you think, when I saw the preview, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be really scary. It's not a thriller not- in the way that you think it's going to be. But it's just so brilliant and I think that for um, some some men that I know who've seen it, it's kind of one of those films where it's like every man should see this yeah, to get an understanding of the frustration, like the, the light inequality. gets turned on. Yes. And even the good men are making excuses for the bad men in yeah. order to look after their patch. And, and once you see that played out, it's it's I imagine that's quite shocking for men. Yeah. Because it's you can't hide from it in this film. No. There's nowhere else to look. Also on a completely f- not flippant mode but just on the style of this film. Oh, my film. God, I was going to say the set design is extraordinary. And the colour palette is yeah. ridiculous. Like it's Love just it. it's just so dazzling and dynamic. So that's a co-bang, Promising Young yeah. Woman. And can we co-bang about the next thing as well because we yeah, both we saw can. it this week. we can. I just want to say too at the end of the film um, the use of Juice Newton's Angel of the Morning made my day. <laughs> That was one of my favourite songs as a kid. I don't know why, but it was like, just call me angel of In the morning, angel. I don't know what the next line is. I thought it was just touch my teeth before you leave me. I'm pretty sure it's just touch my cheek before you leave me. Okay, as long as it's not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what are we talking about next? What are you banging on about? Um, well, let's do a co-bang about the Rosso, Tim Ross designing a legacy. Yes. Because that was another great show that's available on iView now. It was on ABC mm. TV on Tuesday. Um, you know, we were just talking about the mini modern house. This yeah. was about a whole bunch of modern architecture in Australia. But a, oh, a beautiful look at what is the homes that these incredible architects have made, a comment on how shit we are at preserving our own architectural legacy and also what it means to live inside these homes. Mm. I think that Tim does such a great way of communicating to, you know, the average person, people like me who don't have a grounding in architecture just think, oh, that looks pretty. Just like why does why does this being in this space make us feel so good? Mm-hmm. He just makes its architecture so accessible. And and also the the problem he, he brings up too is these amazing houses that these architects designed, built and lived in 
are their family history and and what do you do with that history when people die mm. and and it's about leaving your mark it's about how we treat these moments and and every house i think as i was watching it even if it was architecturally designed or not every house has that history and story and the love and and maybe it is actually it it, it showed to me we 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 should probably respect the history and the past a little bit more and less whitewashing of everything in, in every restoration that there is. Yeah, stop you know, replacing cause, stuff cause, new with it. You know, yeah, and these yeah. houses were built and were never replaced. Their, their kitchens weren't changed, all of that stuff built to last and I think we, we should be going back to more of that rather than just changing and chopping all the time. And also in the way that we move forward as, as building because, you know, the um, – Housing and the housing boom and people buying houses and, and building new the houses block effect. in Australia is just, yeah, it's so, like, you can't underestimate how much we bloody gurn for real estate in Australia compared to the rest of the mm. world. It's I'm like gurning that, now. That idea of owning your own house mm. is almost like a given, like, you have to do that in Australia. That 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 mm. approach doesn't exist in many other parts of no. the world. But I loved the line that Rosso drew between these architects looking at a space, a piece of land and saying, how can this space integrate into the land instead of how do we bulldoze this whole, clear this whole room and put a giant mansion on top of it and that becomes the imposing yeah. how space. How do we dominate this space? How do we conquer it? Exactly. Yeah. So, Which is very colonial, isn't it? Very colonial. And I really thought that was an interesting way of, of, of writing yeah. and approaching that piece and thinking about as we continue to populate particularly the the cities, the coastal cities and particularly the East Coast and a place like Melbourne, which is going to overtake Sydney's population in the next few years because mm. it just keeps growing and growing, how do we choose to live in these spaces that were once wild that are yeah. no longer wild and how do people design for those spaces? Oh. I just thought it's not just about preserving the past, it's how we approach the future. And also how we interact with the nature around us and how and how we can appreciate it a lot more, that beautiful story of the wife of, of one of the architects in that house in Noosa where they lived in a shed on the property for six months to see or to feel the rhythm of the place. Yeah. Like I loved that. And, yes, all the designers were men, all the architects, and and uh, if you think it could be a bit blokey, I think what was lovely and what was brought out was the the women who weren't of the same stature necessarily professionally but personally their contribution was also equally strong and I just loved it. Yeah, it's magic. It's on iView. We'll put it all in the show notes. We'll put it everything in the show notes um, in case you can't get enough of miniature houses or anything else that we've talked about. But it's a lot this week, It's a it? lot. It's a long episode. Yeah. Look, this is for all the people who say, I wish the episodes were longer. This okay. episode is dedicated to you. <laughs> uh, we love reading your reviews as well. If you oh, yeah. have a moment to put it in whatever app you're using, a little rating, if you can just tap it, that helps us heaps. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Thanks. on everybody looks different as individual as that can be but who's to say that what looks funny to you may not be simply gorgeous to me oh was there a gorgeous in there <laughs> i think i just leaned into my new york yeah. accent gorgeous. Gorgeous. gorgeous oh you're gorgeous you are god god gorgeous is that how we do it god oh god